0: Hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm your host, Scott Gardner, and it is with great awe and respect that I introduce my guest host for this episode. This man truly needs no introduction at all. He's a man whose very name or voice conjures images of some of the greatest characters in comic book history. From Spider-Man and the Avengers to the Fantastic Four, the Incredible Hulk, Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, and so many, many more. It is my great honor and privilege to welcome to this show Mr... Chris Johnson of the Nuff Said Podcast. Welcome to the show, Chris.
1: Thanks for having me, Scott.
0: Was that completely overblown enough or what?
1: Excelsior.
0: Excelsior. Ah, gotcha. Anyway, let's see. You're going to run first on this one, right?
1: Uh, Yep, I think I am. All right, sweet. I'll shut
0: up and sit back.
1: All right. Well, I've picked out an issue... Of, which is kind of cool that you decided to do that intro because this is actually a Marvel comic uh, that I'm doing. And this is coming at you from 1985, I believe. This is The Mighty Thor, number 356, The Power and the Pride. Uh, and it was written by Bob Harris, thought by Jackson Geis as the penciler and Bob Layton as the inker. And uh, this is it's got a great cover, first off, because uh, Walt Simon, this is... Basically, Walt Simonson's taking a break from his run, and so it's got Hercules on the cover. Oh,
0: I know this issue. I'm sorry. Yeah, keep going.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's fine, because it's, it's awesome.
0: This is, um, just to jump in, this is one of my favorite comics, one of my favorite single issues of all time.
1: Oh, I can totally see that, because it's great. Uh, but the cover has Hercules pushing Thor to the side, and he's like, "Stand aside, thunder god." While Simonson is on vacation in Sarathau. and then his guy, well, he's pushing Thor to the side uh, with one hand; his other hand's wrapped around this like jogger chick, and she's going, "Oh, Herky, you're so so godly." <laughs> it's just great, just to start off with the cover. And the the reason I picked this issue is because I've got I've heard a lot of good things about the incredible Hercules series that's going on right now, and also my my tragically being canceled Agents of Atlas are going to be moved into a backup feature in Incredibly Hercules. So I've had him on my the book on my mind, and so I thought, hey, let me because I've never I've never really read Hercules before. So I thought, hey, let me read this issue with Hercules and see how I like the character. And so uh, to start off with the actual inside of the issue, uh, we've got Hercules and Jarvis walking through the park, and they're discussing this this uh, feast that uh, Hercules is preparing uh, for the Avengers that evening, and Jarvis is noting how some of the ingredients for this feast might be a little difficult to come by and Hercules, because some of them are like, am I seeing wine and things like that? And Hercules is just like, come, come, Jarvis, it'll be a grand adventure that we will embark upon. And he's going on about how nothing shall stay his quest for these ingredients when he gets hit in the head by a frisbee. (laughs) And uh, this young woman comes over and she calls to her friends and Hercules is suddenly uh, surrounded by women and his mind isn't exactly on food anymore. And Jarvis is just sitting on a bench just waiting for hercules to finish being adored by all these women
0: isn't this the part where it's, i i think this is the issue i'm sorry i don't mean to keep interrupting you she says something he, oh, that's fine he invites her to dinner and she says she asked her asked her boyfriend biff and he's like what pray tell is a biff is that the <laughs> that's, one
1: that, that's later in the issue okay <laughs> but yeah, yeah that is that was great um but uh, we cut away to this uh, young boy named Matthew Linden, who is uh, drawing these pictures of Thor, and he's a huge Thor fan. Uh, when these, you know, your typical schoolyard bullies come over and start picking on him because he likes Thor, and they're like, yeah, he sucks. You know, why don't you draw him pictures of Spider-Man and, you know, the Human Torch? And they take away his sketchbook. And they start you know, ripping pages out of it, and he demands it back, but they're you know, not giving it back. And so he's like, Thor is better than all your favorite heroes. And they're like, oh, yeah, prove it. And he's like, I don't have to prove anything to you. And then they're like, look over there, it's Hercules. Why don't you go ask him if Thor is the strongest there is? And so they kind of just shove him in front of – they do like the, the the kid thing where they like just shove him in front of Thor. And they're like, hey, my buddy wants to tell you something or ask you something. <laughs> And so Hercules is just like, What's this? And he's like, Young boy, apparently awestruck in the presence of mighty Hercules, tut tut, lad, come, you have a question for the lion of Olympus? Speak. And so Matt's like kind of stuttering and he's like asks him, Who's stronger, him or Thor? And Hercules just laughs and then he begins, you know, counting off all the labors he's undergone which apparently Matthew has never heard of, and he has this comment like, the literacy of modern children is pretty appalling, Jarvis. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah. And so he decides to tell him this tale, this more recent tale involving Thor. And so (laughs) they're in the Avengers' uh, mansion, and uh, Hercules notices this forlorn expression on Thor's face, and Thor tells him that he's depressed because even though he has all of these great acts that he's performed, they pale in comparison to those of Mighty Hercules. And so Hercules is entertaining him with this uh, arm wrestling match to uh, prove his strength. And you know, Jarvis kind of cuts in. He's like, I don't think I was here for this, sir. And he's like, oh, um, yes, I, I made an error, uh, faithful Jarvis. You were actually visiting your mother or taking your mother to Miami when this was going on. You see you see in the artwork, because this is totally Hercules just spinning this tail uh, off the top of his head, and you just see, like, there's this one panel of uh, Jarvis, like, in between the two as they're about to do this arm wrestling. You cut to the panel of, of Jarvis mentioning that he doesn't recall anything, and then you just have the same exact panel, but there's, like, this <laughs> pop where Jarvis used to be. Yeah,
0: he's gone. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and so they have uh, this arm wrestling, and uh, Hercules beats Thor quite easily, but... Thor is still outraged at paling in comparison to that of Hercules, and he hits him on the head with his hammer out of frustration, and uh, that sets Hercules off a bit. And uh, even though he has a fair maiden waiting to take him to dinner, uh, he gets into this fight with Hercules uh, throughout the streets. Uh, you've got them just being tossing each other through buildings, smacking each other with white poles, and you've got Jarvis, you know, interrupting once again, and... Hercules tells him to, you know, uh, not interrupt. It's rude to interrupt while he's regaling this tale. And they just uh, keep just uh, lifting up road and throwing it at each other, tossing cars at each other. There's this great part where Thor looks up, lifts up this car. Hercules is like, you don't think you can stop me with that car, do you? And Thor's like, it's not just a car, Hercules, Tis a Volkswagen. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then Hercules catches it and then crushes it, and he's like, correction, Thunder God, Twas a Volkswagen. <laughs> and then they eventually uh, get to the Empire State Building, where they just start beating each other up, just on going up each floor while beating on each other until they reach the roof, where Hercules punches Thor through the roof, and he's like, I did not mean to... Hit him so hard. I mean, even though we are in this, you know, contest of might, and I am truly the stronger of the two, I still must save Thor for he is my friend. And so he, you know, takes this crane off of the top of the Empire State Building and catches Thor with it, and then they go crashing uh, to the ground. And then uh, this little old lady walks up and wants Hercules to walk her across the street, and Thor is <laughs> like, you know. It's like, uh, you know, like like Hercules, and he just pushes him aside, and he's like, silence, Asgardian, for I'm about to perform a good deed. And so Hercules walks the old lady across the street, and she smacks Thor in the face with her purse, and she says, you know, get a haircut, hippie, and then she tosses <laughs> an hippie as well, uh, which is great. The kids who are listening... Are like, hey, you're not gonna. It just doesn't end right there with you walking this old lady across the street. Don't you bash Thor's brains in? And then Hercules is like, well, of course I did. Of course I bashed his brains in. And so then there's more fighting with Hercules. You know, chucking him through this. Uh, uh, it's like a jeweler's Fragrance shop store. Oh yeah, that's fragrance right. Fragrance store. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so that they're fighting. And then Hercules, he picks up the entire island of Manhattan. And, like, tilts it and drops or in the river. Uh, and that's where his tale is, ends for a second when uh, Jarvis is like, I think you've exaggerated a bit. And then he's like, well, perhaps maybe a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> and then, uh, so he's about to uh, tell the story of him delivering this final blow. And Jarvis notices how upset Matthew is. And he notices the... This unruly-looking lad, as he says it, enjoying uh, the situation, and so he's kind of starting to put things into context when. Uh the uh, young woman from earlier uh, once again is following her frisbee and interrupts the story and Hercules asks her to dinner and she says like you said, I gotta ask my boyfriend Biff first and he's like, what pray tell is a Biff?
0: (laughs) I love that line, that's one of my favorites what pray tell is a Biff?
1: (laughs) I just just picture her boyfriend walking over and Hercules is just going, are you this Biff? I've heard I have been told about, and him just scurrying away running because it's Hercules. <laughs> but uh, uh, in the confusion, Jarvis has snatched away uh, the sketchbook uh, from the the boy that the boy had, and the guy just like rips it off, and he's like, hands off! Don't you know it's rude to take other people's things? And uh, Jarvis has put two to two together now, and uh, before Hercules can finish his story, uh, Jarvis kind of pulls it aside and tells him what's going on, and Hercules feels, you know, that he's, you know, hurt this uh, young boy and his appreciation, his uh, idolizing of Thor. And he doesn't want to hurt this kid. And so he finishes the story with Thor having hid his true power all along and punches uh, Hercules into a place the gods forgot. New Jersey. New Jersey. (laughs) Uh, and so the story ends with a uh, Thor having beaten Hercules and so the kid gives Matt his sketchbook back and you know kind of tells him to get out of here when Hercules puts his hand on the boy's shoulder and he tells him that it would not be you know right to speak ill of a friend of Hercules if you understand by meaning and so the kid just books out of there and uh Hercules offers to uh take uh invites Matthew to come to the dinner he is preparing for the Avengers and you know Hercules is going to tell him many more mighty tales as they go off to get all the ingredients they need including the Mycenaean wine as Jarvis reminds Hercules that's where it ends (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I, I can say that I'm a fan of Hercules now because he's just awesome. Just his entire mannerisms, you know, throughout the story. And, you know, some sometimes when you do old-timey, you know, ye old kind of dialogue for some characters, it can get grating after a while. Right. But with Hercules, it just doesn't. It, it just no, perfectly no. fits him, and it's just handled really well. And he's just so great how he's just, you know, spinning this. Because while he's telling the story, he's got, you know, Thor, like saying these things like like how I can't believe I dare to, you know, go up against the might that is Hercules and just <laughs> uh, just how he's spending the story is great. And also just you know, whenever you know and and while he's telling the story too, he's like But then I remembered that this maiden was waiting for me so I should finish this quickly. You know, just <laughs> just his womanizing ways and everything. Just Hercules is awesome and as soon as I have some spare cash I'm gonna just get like every her incredible hercules trade that they've got at in stock trades because he's just so great and i'm totally a fan of the character now and uh you know i I think like like you said i can see why you'd say this is one of your favorite single issues because it's just so much fun throughout the entire thing and you know the ending is a nice beat and it's just so funny just you know you've got lots of action lots of Gods being thrown through buildings, and you've got just a lot of humor as they're going through this whole thing. And the art is pretty nice, too, especially on some of Hercules' facial expressions. It's great. Like, he's just got this great shit-eating grin. (laughs) Like, when, you know, Jarvis is like... When he's, like, almost done his story, and Jarvis is like... I. You know, I think this is this. These whole battle is a bit incredulous, sir, and he's just like got this huge grin on his face, <laughs> like maybe I exaggerated just a little bit. So, you know, I, I think I got this out of like a. Uh, I got this for a dollar, so uh, definitely, you know, if you see it for a dollar, pick it up. If you see it for you know, like two dollars, pick it up because this is just a really just fun. One shot, you know, comic that you can just sit back and read and just have a ball with it.
0: It is. It, it's it's a fantastic uh, back issue. Bravo, sir, because this this is a this was an excellent choice. One of my, well, just one of my favorite back issues. I mean, I don't. I'm one of those people. I don't know a lot of actual dialogue. Have like memorized dialogue from any books, but I, I'm always amazed when people can recite like entire pages and and passages of like Shakespeare or something, but. This one here, I've read this so many times is why there's there's images and, and whole pieces of dialogue that I remember just because I love this issue so much. I always like the part where Thor bonks Hercules on the head. And right. then he's got this look on his – he's like holding his hand up to his face like a little girl would do. And he's got this look on his face like, oh, my, what have I done? <laughs> and then the fight's <laughs> on, you know.
1: And then you got Hercules' face just becoming enraged. <laughs> <laughs> And he's it's like great. I can I can I can keep my cool against anything but to be hit with a weapon like Milnor <laughs> that just sets a cut on edge. And just just one last note, like uh there's not a lot of like excessive purple prose, like you get in some issues. It's it's really good because you've got, you know, Hercules telling the story in some of the captions and, you know, just how he tells the story is great. So, you know, it's not when the captions that are in it that in in some marvel issues at this time could get a little heavy it's well handled here, but there's this great part where jarvis he's he's picks up the sketchbook and there's this thought balloon from him, and it says during the commotion, the sketchbook was dropped. It's just like so obvious like what <laughs> happened in the scene. it's just this thought balloon it's just it's it's you know, just an unintended bit of hilarity that I got while reading it because it's just like <laughs> totally overstating the obvious of what's going on in the scene. But yeah, this is just this is just great, you know, awesome. And, you know, if, if you never really like like me, this is really the first time I've you know been introduced to Hercules. And if you've never read the character before and you can pick up this issue, you're going to be a fan by the end of it.
0: I always saw this issue as as almost an outgrowth of there were two fantastic four-issue minis with Hercules back in the 80s. I want to say like maybe like 82, 83, somewhere in that area, done by Bob Layton, and they are hysterical. I mean, they are so much fun. They're very much in this same vein, and I really see that this issue kind of picks up that ball and runs with it, kind of the oafish, not-too-bright hercules that's just funny as hell you know and that's where this issue goes so i i I like this issue because it's like it's got three elements it's like three pieces all rolled into one which is that hilarious take on hercules that i like so much and then a little bit of the kid who collected spider-man you know with the with the tale of the child and all that i'm always a sucker for those kind of stories and then the completely overblown comic book violence. So it's a little bit like I don't know if you ever read Destroy by Scott McCloud, but if you like the overblown comic booky punch people through walls of this, you've got to read Destroy. It'll slay. It. It's it's absolutely <laughs> hysterical. It's my favorite comic I've heard, book I've heard of it
1: but I haven't read it yet.
0: Oh, it's it's great. So yeah, this is like, you know, three great tastes all rolled into one. I love it. Great great issue. Fantastic. I don't know that mine will compare to that, but I'll give it a whirl here. We're going back to April 1982. This is DC. You know, we're almost like a cliche here. We're, we're doing the Mar- I'm a Marvel, I'm a DC thing today, I guess. but <laughs> Totally <laughs> unintended, but uh, this is DC. This is Wonder Woman, first series number 290, cover by Dick Giordano. Plot in this is by Roy Thomas who I think had been the writer up to this particular issue and then the actual scripting on this one's done by Paul Cooperberg art by the incomparable Gene Colan which is the reason I bought this issue I'm trying to collect the Gene Colan run of Wonder Woman just like to own it I'm a big uh, big fan of Gene Colan especially his DC work um, me too yeah this is great <laughs> he stuff said-
1: When you said Wonder Woman, I was like, oh, is he going to bring out a Gene colon issue? Because I know we talked on Skype a couple of times about Gene and his stuff.
0: I'm hard at work trying to finish this collection because, surprisingly, these these issues go for quite a little bit, certain ones. Oh, there's
1: Batman issues, too.
0: Oh, do they now? Oh, those, yeah. those I'm lucky enough to have actually bought you know when they were coming out, so I got lucky with that stuff. But Wonder Woman was never – I mean, other than the Perez stuff, I was never a big Wonder Woman fan, so now I'm having to track these down. And, uh, you know, I don't want to pay a lot for them. So I'm trying to get them, you know, a dollar or less, and it's actually more of a challenge than I thought it would be. Um, trying to find some of these on the cheap is, is kind of tough, at least in my area anyway, but let's see. The Inker on this, Romeo Tengal, um not my favorite, but, I mean, serviceable, does a, does a good job, doesn't overpower uh, Gene, kind of lets Gene run and do, you know, his great thing, so... Um, original price on this one was uh, $0.60, cents, and I'm not sure what I paid for this. Probably about a buck, I guess, something like that. I just got it recently, but I can't remember what I paid for it. This is Panic Over Pennsylvania Avenue. Great. Just a great title. I love the, the overblown titles from back in the day. I don't know that they really do that much anymore. <laughs> we start out this issue, and I almost feel like I cheated because I, I read the issue. I'm actually reading these in, in succession. What I... What I like to do with this show is I like to just pick a random back issue and be thrown into the story without knowing what the hell's going on. This one, I actually know what's going on. So rather than try to fake that I don't know what's happening, I'll just kind of run with it. But uh, Wonder Woman has finally found Steve Rogers. Something's messed up with him. I don't know exactly what's wrong with him, but he's been conked out since at least the last issue. He's basically naked and wrapped in a blanket. And she's making off with him she's rescuing him from where he's being kept by Doctor. Psycho, who I believe his first appearance was actually the issue before this when suddenly coming busting through the wall this is on the title page the the first splash page is uh, the silver Swan comes busting through the wall and there's a great shot of like all these bricks being knocked out of the wall and stuff and she's threatening Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman's basically like, well what is this bitch's problem anyway you know they've they fought once before and she doesn't understand why she's trying to kill her. And there's a great inner monologue with Wonder Woman where she's talking about basically Silver Swan's superpower is her ability to beguile men. And I got to thinking about this, and I'm like, what a shit superpower, because as far as I know, don't all women have the power to beguile men? (laughs) At least it's
1: been that way in my experience. I see what you did there. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs)
0: All right. So there's a lot of kind of smack talking between the two of them. And for some reason, Wonder Woman puts Steve Trevor down. You know what? I think I called him something different earlier. Did I call him a different name? Or did I, think I say Steve? I remember
1: recalling him Steve Trevor. Oh, okay.
0: Anyway, she puts Steve Trevor down and engages in a tussle with Silver Swan that basically goes all up into the sky and they're flying around. And I guess I didn't realize it before, but Wonder Woman couldn't really fly back during this time. This is pre-crisis, so she could, like, glide on air currents or something. But because the sky is unnaturally calm, when Silver Swan belts her in this one part, she just tumbles out of the sky and she has to... Uh, like telepathically summon her robot plane, which I don't know if she has the robot plane again in the comics now, but I always hated the stupid invisible robot plane. I thought that was one of the stupider elements of Wonder Woman, to be honest. Well, they get into a tussle and the uh, robot plane rescues Wonder Woman. She lassos the silver swan. and And it's a great sequence where it's not really drawn to look like it. But if you read the, the, all the exposition, you know, it's very exposition heavy by the, by the author, by, uh Cooperberg. but she's basically dragging Silver Swan behind her by her lasso as she flies her jet. So I'm just thinking, man, that would hurt, you would think. And so watching all of this and totally enthralled, you know, he, he just, this is the first time he'd ever laid eyes on the Silver Swan and he's just awestruck by whatever. He's beguiled by her, is Dr. Psycho, who's drawn a little differently than the way he appears today. He's, he's still the little troll-looking guy, but he has more of, like, Igor face, but really creepy-looking guy. And, okay, the reason he had Steve Trevor... See, I think I said Steve Rogers before, but I meant to say Steve Trevor if I said Steve Rogers. But the reason he's got Steve Trevor... This was wacky to try to follow, but apparently he used to be married. Dr. Psycho did. And he had this wife that he learned he had the ability to somehow extract ectoplasm from her or from her brain or some shit and could manifest it in the real world or something. And the only other living person he's ever found after his wife died where he could do the same thing was, of course, Steve Trevor. And he uses this power to extract ectoplasm from Steve Trevor To form what Steve apparently what Steve Trevor considers the idealized version of himself, he's the male holder of Wonder Woman's powers. (laughs) This dude called Captain Wonder, who is a very disturbing looking character. He's basically imagine like Captain America, but Captain America wearing Wonder Woman's outfit. And that's pretty much what Captain Wonder look like looks like and it's really not right.
1: Yeah, I don't think I want to imagine that. Yeah, it's you know as
0: as awesome as like Captain America or you know so many there's so many great patriotic characters that have great outfits with red, white and blue and stars and stripes and everything like that. You would think that Captain Wonder could actually look really cool and really awesome like those guys do, but no, he looks very disturbing. He's even sort of got the bustier thing that Wonder Woman's got even though he's a dude and it's just not right.
1: So this might be saying some other things about in Steve Trevor's subconscious
0: Yes, he's a cross-dresser with Wonder Woman <laughs> fantasies. So Captain Wonder... Now, this was the part that was really hard to follow, is that later on in the issue, it really makes it feel like like, basically Dr. Psycho can conjure this power and become Captain Wonder. But there's the panel where he first does it in this issue, they're actually standing face-to-face. It's like Doctor Psycho's a little dwarf guy and he's like pointing up at Captain Wonder but later on when Captain Wonder gets his ass handed to him he actually reverts to being Doctor Psycho. So it it was a little bit hard to follow, but anyway, he changes to Captain Wonder and immediately goes and pounds the shit out of Wonder Woman. It's really nice uh nice art, you know, by by Colin of the fight between them as disturbing as Captain Wonder looks. You know, Colin does a masterful job with the art and makes the fight scenes really cool. Captain Wonder gets the upper hand, and because he possesses all of Wonder Woman's abilities, he can also control her magic lasso. So they basically turn the tables on her, and they're now dragging her behind the invisible plane. <laughs> There's uh, a moment of you know, inner monologue with uh, with Silver Swan where he, she basically tells her, her tale, which is, She's the classic ugly duckling, you know, no man would want her. She was just too hideous and blah, blah, blah. And she struck a deal with the war god Mars, who I was surprised to find that the gods in pre-crisis Wonder Woman actually go by the Roman names rather than like later Perez actually incorporated all the Greek names. And so I'm more familiar with these gods by their Greek names now. So this guy would be Ares today, but back then, uh, back in this issue anyway, he's Mars and looking very different. He's got like the Roman brush helmet on his head and all that, you know, the, the helmet that looks like it's a toilet bowl scrubber or something like that. Right. And there's a part that was equally confusing with Steve Trevor. Apparently Steve Trevor of this period was actually the Steve Trevor of a parallel earth. And the thing that's wrong with him is that the parallel earth is calling him back and he's trying to resist it so that he can stay in our dimension because he's got the hots for Wonder Woman. At least that's what I kind of pulled out of this story. It's like I say, it's some of the stuff's really vague, and I got the feeling that you had to be a longtime Wonder Woman reader to, to truly understand what the hell is going on here. And so then we cut to a great sequence, which is, you know, it's taken. Silver Swan so long to complete Mars's task that he set for her which is basically you can keep the beauty I gave you as the Silver Swan if you eliminate Wonder Woman. Well now she's finally you know he comes calling and says, you know, your your time's about up and she says, well look, I got the I got the upper hand on Wonder Woman. We're about to take her out and he's like, well that's no longer good enough. I want you to take her out and because Wonder Woman was was based in Washington DC during this period, he wants her to take out both Wonder Woman and the president and all the what he calls monuments and pretensions of power that are in Washington D.C. So we cut to the White House lawn, and this was my favorite part of the whole issue. President Ronald Reagan, a superhero in his own right, is coming out of the out of the uh, White House, and he's surrounded by uh, you know he's got Nancy with him, his wife, and, you know the first lady of the time. He's surrounded by Secret Service. And they look up in the sky, and to them all they can see is Silver Swan, Captain Wonder, and Wonder Woman. They cannot see the invisible plane, but they can hear it. And this was one of the wackier sequences. Basically, Captain Wonder sets the invisible jet on a collision course with the White House. He's going to wipe everybody out, you know, kill the president and everything. And they can clearly hear the plane. You know, there's there's several different people comment that, wow, you know, it sounds like a jet headed towards us, and you know, what is that screaming noise and all? But Because they can't see anything, they just stand around and wait for it to happen, which seemed very unrealistic to me. It seems like the Secret Service would really be trying to to hustle him away from any perceived danger whatsoever. And just as a side note, I totally forgot to do this before the show, and I meant to look this up. I'm curious if this issue takes place before or after the actual assassination attempt on reagan and i totally forgot to look that up this issue's in 1982 so if anybody knows that for sure uh, let us know you know send us an email or let us know on the forum or something i'm just really curious you know if this is taking place before or after that real life event anyway wonder woman in a last-ditch effort She gives a hearty yank on the magic lasso and actually dislodges Captain Wonder from the plane where he tumbles to the ground, knocks himself silly, and reverts back to Dr. Psycho. And then she uh, goes to try to recover control of the uh, invisible jet before it can crash into the White House when she's attacked by Silver Swan. She beats down the Silver Swan, and she likewise crashes to the ground not far from where Dr. Psycho crashed. Now, Dr. Psycho... You know, was was totally enamored with Silver Swan. Well, Silver Swan was totally enamored with Captain Wonder. So they they both kind of had the hots for the, each other. So he rushes to her aid to see what he can do. In the meantime, you know, of course, at the very last instant, Wonder Woman regains control of the invisible jet and, and spins off and just kind of waves to the president. And the president chalks it up to, well, I guess she was just dropping by to say hello, which is h- hilarious. Mars, meantime, you know, he's like, well. Time's up with the silver swan and he strips her of all her powers and beauty and everything. And she goes back to being the hideous creature that she really is. And then the hilarious part is so now, you know, two people who are ugly, disfigured freaks that, you know, have been rejected all their lives, you know, had never been welcomed by the opposite sex or whatever are face to face and you think oh they're finally going to find each other and find true love and everything you know two hideous creatures are going to come together but no they don't they both look at each other and like oh man that that dude that woman they're fugly and, <laughs> and they go their separate ways <laughs> kind of both in their mind like oh jesus he's hard to look at you know it's it's hysterical i really thought that they were going to like come together but they don't they both look at each other and, and they're repulsed it's hysterical so Wonder Woman, you know, she lands her plane, she goes in, she finds that uh that Steve Trevor is finally recovered, he's snapping out, he, he had this bat this like inner battle earlier in the issue where he fought off the parallel Earth, calling him back, and now he's apparently on the mend and everything. And the last panel's great. It's Wonder Woman. You know, embracing him and, and like stepping on her tippy-toes to step up and give Steve a, a big old smooch, and all he's wearing is basically, it looks like a pair of Depends. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> oh, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. It was so goofy and wacky, and Captain Wonder is utterly disturbing. And I looked it up just to see if this dude ever comes back, and apparently he does make one other um, appearance. I don't know how major or minor it was, but he's part of a group of villains that come back to plague Wonder Woman in one of her very last issues before her her series was canceled, just before the crisis on Infinite Earth. So he does pop in one more time. Also, there was a backstory in this that I'm not going to go over, just to mention that uh, it's a Huntress backstory. This was at a time when the Huntress, the uh, the classic Earth 2 daughter of Batman Huntress, was appearing in Wonder Woman and uh, The Art by Joe Staten. Anytime I can get a chance to plug Joe Staten, I'm going to, because the man is a master artist. This was a beautiful story. The story itself is actually kind of eh, but the art is, oh, it's to die for, man. It's killer. So if you like Joe Staten, check out these old uh, Wonder Womans with uh, with the Huntress backup. So yeah, what do you talk- think, man? You you a Wonder Woman fan?
1: Uh, not. I haven't read a whole lot of her. I, I Most either. of my exposure... <laughs> <laughs> most of my exposure to her would be from the uh justice league cartoon pretty much and i liked how they handled her in there but she isn't really a character i seek out and read but since gene colin did the art i'm probably gonna buy him at some point
0: yeah that's just that was the gene other thing Cullen. i was gonna say see i know that you're a gene colin fan so I, I wondered if this stuff was even on your radar at all
1: oh yeah i knew he did a right run on there but just uh just like his batman stuff it I I haven't really gone into his DC. I've got the Nathaniel Dusk
0: uh,
1: issues he did, and I've got the Phantom Zone issues.
0: Well, I'll throw it out there as a tease that that I know that you and I and a couple of our our friends are really looking forward to sitting down and talking about that. So I'll just throw it out there as a tease that, that those are coming. More than likely won't happen on this show, probably on Two True Freaks or or some other special event type of show.
1: Oh, yeah, because we're going yeah. to go through the whole thing.
0: Yeah, in-depth, big time, because Phantom Zone is one of my absolutely favorite comic book events of all time. I, I love it. Great series. And I, as much as I have utter reverence for Nathaniel Dusk, I think I've only actually read it one time, and it was when it came out. So that tells you how long ago you know that was, and that is very rusty in my memory. But yeah, great, great stuff by Colin. And this Wonder Woman stuff is eh, it's hit and miss. I'm, I'm reading a lot of it, but I'm looking forward to within an issue or two after this issue, I just reviewed they they did a three part story where wonder woman teamed up with like every super heroine in the DC universe for this three part story. And I had an issue or two of it as a kid. I remember reading it. And it was fantastic. So I'm really anxious now that I have all three issues to so sit down and read that and I'll report back. But you know, because it was drawn at right around the time of Phantom Zone, it has a very Phantom Zone feel to the art and, and just the way it was presented. So I'm anxious to see if that, that story is as awesome as I remember it to be. But it was basically like a it was like an all girl Justice uh Justice League type of story. It was really cool, you know, with Wonder Woman as as the Superman character, you know, the leader character. So it was really kinda cool. Right.
1: Every time you said Captain Wonder in there, I kept thinking of Captain Action from Countdown, that <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Olsen costume he made. Oh
0: God! Well, th- this is this is equally disturbing, but for a whole a whole different oh, yeah. a whole exactly. different reason. I mean, men should just not wear bustiers, okay? It just it, that look doesn't work for a dude.
1: Same for Linda Carter.
0: Yeah. Thank you to Chris Johnson for joining me on this episode. You can check out his excellent show, The Nuff Said Podcast, at nuffsaidcomiccast.libson.com. And also listen to Chris along with Inker extraordinaire Juan Castro, the nicest guy in podcasting, on the Final Crisis Analysis Podcast at www.comicbookpage.com podcast slash question mark C-A-T equal sign 83. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me right back here next week when who knows what mystery guest host will be popping by. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, and criticisms for the show via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of the comicforums.com. We are now accepting requests for guest host spots on the show, so if you'd like to join me in an episode, let me know. Also, please be sure to check out the home website for Back to the Bins at www2 Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you can find at ComicBookNoise.com League, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at ComicsPodcast.com. Take a moment to drop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks!